Hi, this is Bernie Dake. You're listening to the Salvation Army's Words of Life. Hey, before we jump into this week's episode, we want to share with you a clip from another show we create called The Storyteller Series. In this podcast, we study a different book of the Bible every season, and we are so excited to share with you that we just launched the book of Exodus. Throughout this podcast, you'll hear an engaging narration of each chapter. And throughout the series, we'll hear from a group of friends who sit around and discuss the significance of each section of this book. So I can't wait for you to jump in and learn more about the book of Exodus. The story of Exodus is both intimate and universal, small and astonishingly grand. The Exodus is the story of a family that became a nation, the story of God clashing with Egypt's gods and their intermediaries and decisively defeating them. It is the story of one man uniquely equipped and called to lead God's people. This story is Israel's story. It is the church's story. It is our story. The story of God coming in mercy to save. It is the Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them up into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites- Listen to the Storyteller series wherever you get your podcasts or learn more at SalvationArmyRadio.org. Welcome back to Words of Life. I'm Bernie Dake. Today is our final episode in our series with Captain Paul Ryerson called Our House. Throughout this series, we've been studying what the church, according to the Word of God, should look like today. In this final study, Paul discusses some of the organization that began to take place in the early church as leadership was being defined. If you've missed any episodes from this series, it launched on August 20th, so be sure to subscribe to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit us at SalvationArmyRadio.org. What I'd look for in a church is a good discipling program for my children. What I would look for in a church is diversity.
Welcome back to our series, Our House, as we dive into our second part of collaboration. Last week, we saw what happened when favoritism entered the church. So now that the issue of favoritism has been brought up, what did the apostles do? The scripture says, the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So what did the apostles do? They created here in Acts chapter 6 a new position within the church, one still used today. They appointed deacons. Now deacons or elders, and they have different names from different churches, are men and women who help the leader oversee the day-to-day of the church. However, don't breeze over why they appointed them. The 12, yes, those 12, which now include Matthias, put their heads together and saw what was happening. They saw that Satan was trying to take down the church from within. They knew that they had to keep their eyes on the mission, things like preaching and praying. And Satan wanted them to be distracted. They felt it was specifically wrong for them, for for the 12, to turn their focus from evangelism to internal affairs. Now, some of us may believe that this is evidence of a superior attitude among the 12, that they shouldn't be bothered with such issues in the church. But I don't think that's what it was. I think they were intentionally delegating these responsibilities so that the issues could be handled properly and still allow the church to be a place of redemption. I think it's important to recognize that God didn't call the original 12 to be everything for the church. His calling on them was to go and make disciples of all nations. They saw, in fact, only a few got this opportunity, but they saw firsthand the power of Jesus, and they had a duty to spread the word. God has and will continue to raise men and women of integrity to serve the church in its times of need. As was the case here in Acts chapter 6, he will call some of us to preach and to evangelize and others to the inner workings of the church. These new deacons in Acts chapter 6 were going to be given the responsibility of, as the scripture states, serving tables. Now, the term table here, when it's properly translated, wasn't referencing a table to eat on, but instead a place where money changers did their collecting and exchanging of money. By them using this phrase, they were saying that the new deacons would oversee the handling of the administration and financial responsibilities of the church, in this case, 
caring for the widows. This idea was widely supported by the entire church at that time. Now, one thing does remain. How do you select the people to oversee this? How do you select your deacons, your leaders? The twelve asked the church to select them. They went to the two groups that were actually in conflict, the Greeks and the Hebrews, and they had them suggest men of good character. They didn't throw out all the complainers. They, they, they didn't divide them into two different congregations, the contemporary worship over here and the traditional worship over here. They didn't create an environment to make the unhappy people uncomfortable so they would just leave on their own. It was in a spirit of collaboration that the 12 wanted representation. The only requirement that the new deacons had to have was they had to be spirit-filled and wise. It was based on their character, not the color of their skin, their last name, their wealth, or even how smart they are. It was based on their character. They had to be both spiritually and practically minded. They couldn't be so heavenly minded that they were no earthly good. The church got to work on the selection process and they gave the 12 seven names. After the disciples vetted the names, they summoned each one of them. Then the 12 laid their hands on them and appointed them as the first deacons of the church. Perhaps the most amazing part of this story can be found in the names of the seven men who were selected. Their names were Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. All seven names are Greek. There isn't one Hebrew. If you remember, it was the Greek Jews that were complaining. This means that the church, including the Hebrews, all together selected seven Greeks to serve as the first deacons of the church. This is no doubt an act of selflessness for the betterment of the entire church. These were the men with the character the church was needing. Nice try, Satan, but you can't have this church. We were all called to be unified. We are to be unified within this body that we call the church. We were also called to be unified within the church as a whole. We are called to serve the least, the last, and the lost together. As we close our series, perhaps the most important thing that we can pull from Scripture regarding the church is that the identity of the church was never meant to be found in an address book, but instead found through its commission, its community, its commandment, and its collaboration. We are the church. 
Let's start living like it. Father, we pray that we, your church, be a representation of the love and the grace and the peace that only comes from you. Father, I pray that those who are in church leadership be responsive to your voice and to your leading. Those who are members of a church, Father, put into our hearts service and love for others. And as we close our time here, Lord, may the church be a mirror of your cross. And it's in the name we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Salvation Army's mission, doing the most good, means helping people with material and spiritual needs. You become a part of this mission every time you give to the Salvation Army. Visit SalvationArmyUSA.org to offer your support. And we'd love to hear from you. Call 1-800-229-9965 or visit SalvationArmyRadio.org to connect. Tell us how we can help. Share prayer requests or your testimony. With your permission, we would love to use your story on the show. You can also subscribe to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit SalvationArmyRadio.org to learn about more programs produced by the Salvation Army. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to visit your local Salvation Army Worship Center. They'll be glad to see you. Join us next time for the Salvation Army's Words of Life.